0: Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday Evening Chapel. Maybe back that off a little, Josh. Thanks. At the bottom of the the sheet that you found on your chair is our theme for this time. I want us to say it together. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Every time we gather in this place, that's our purpose. Say it with me one more time. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Um, You know, if you were here in chapel last night, that these are temporary digs, temporary quarters. Um, They're working on Strickland, and uh, we'll get there sometime. In the meantime, anybody, how many people were here last night? Let me see your hands. Okay. Um, It got a little close in here, didn't it? So we've, so the maintenance people have added some more chairs to help take care of that. And Mr. Aaron Beatty, who's responsible for finances here, bought you a Coke. Well, actually they're Pepsi products, not Coke products. So on the way out of the door this evening, there's some sodas for y'all. So if you'll tell him thanks. <laughs> In fact, what I'd like, what I'd like is a couple of volunteers, if you'll raise your hands, a couple of volunteers to move those two containers from there to here, right at the end of the service, so we don't have a log jam there, okay? Volunteers, a couple guys, okay, so if you'll just make your way and make that happen, that'll, that'll help us. At the top of the page is a reading, is our prayer that I want us to begin our service with, so would you stand and let's We'll read it responsively. I'll read the first part, and you'll read the part in bold. Jesus Christ, you come to transfigure us and renew us in the image of God. Shine in our darkness. Jesus Christ, light of our hearts. You know our thirst. Lead us to the wellspring of your gospel. Jesus Christ, light of the world. You shine into every heart. Jesus Christ, friend of the poor, open, open us in us. The of so we Jesus Christ, gentle and humble of heart. We us spirit of Jesus Christ, you send your church to prepare your path in the world. Open for all people the gates of your kingdom. And all God's people said, "Amen." Now, us to pray for a minute. to pray so would you tell him thanks give him praise for his holiness Tell him how much you need him. tell them about the request that's on your heart, your burden for somebody, the situation you're facing. then would you ask him to continue to speak to us? All God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Take the Bible that's close to you and turn to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, it's a familiar passage of scripture we're gonna to get to two verses, but I want you to have it in front of you, so what I'm about to say makes some sense. Okay, now, I want you to switch gears a second. I want you to imagine that you're eight years old. For some of you, that's not a big a stretch as others. But we're not gonna point fingers. You're eight years old, where are you? Where are you living? Back home. What grade are you in? Who's your best friend? What's your best friend's name? Now, who do you want to be like? You're eight years old. Who do you want to be like? We had heroes when we were eight, didn't we? Superman. Superman, that's right. Who'd you look up to when you were a kid? The Bionic Woman. The more we talk, the more we reveal our ages. <laughs> and the people that the people that were your heroes, I want you to admit it. Didn't you didn't you try to look like them? Just a little. I mean, you start finding what kind of clothes they wore, and you'd buy those kind of clothes. Or find out what kind of music they listened to, and you listen to that kind of music. We try to act like those folks that were our heroes, dressed like them, and then maybe somebody would confuse us for them, we were hoping. I wanna be like. One of my heroes was Al Kaline. And I won't ask for the hands of people who know who Al Kaline is, because it's everybody that's close to my age. Billy Martin called Al Kaline, Mr. Perfection. All the rest of his team play, teammates just called him six. Played right field for the Detroit Tigers for 19 years. He retired in 1974, so that tells you how old he is. Not me, it just tells you how old he is. (laughs) Played his whole life for that team, 22 years, was elected to the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Batted right-handed, threw right-handed, so did I. Wore the number six on his jersey, jersey, and so did I, well, at least when I had a jersey. His first name was Albert, but he went by Al, and I did too well, kind of, uh, just depending on what my friends called me. He made lots of money playing baseball. I would liked to play baseball. <laughs> and so kind of on goes my hero uh, connection with Al Kaline. He was, when I was eight years old, I wanted to be like Al Kaline. But now, now I want to be like Joe. Our heroes, the people that we look up to and admire, they influence how we live our lives. They shape our very existence, even though they don't even know our names. We tend to become like the people that we admire most. The Apostle Paul had that notion in mind when he wrote to the Christians in the city of Ephesus. They were relatively young in their faith and it showed in their fractured relationships with each other. They needed to be more unified. They needed to be more closer to God. They needed to be connected more with each other. In fact, one of the commentators says that Paul's theme in this letter is reuniting all things to God through Christ. Point of the book. Early Christians weren't where they could be yet. So the fourth chapter of Paul's epistle, well, I put away my eyes, begins like this As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you received. And then from there, he begins to unpack what that means and gives some illustrations about how that might happen and about how the Holy Spirit makes that verse a possibility. (coughs) We tend to land in the middle of that passage and talk about the gifting and ministry, but it's really not the point of the passage. Because if you stop there, you've finished, you've ended before he's finished living a life worthy of the calling that you've received is described in verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's the point. That's the aim. And as usual in this passage, Paul's words fall all over themselves in trying to get the idea across. As well they should, you know, he is trying to describe the indescribable, isn't he? Uh, How does one explain all of who Jesus is, especially in a letter? One of the persons who tries to help other people translate this passage says this this way, the fullness of Christ is indicated by stature maturity co- perfection completeness or whatever else best fits the context of the language so if you're going to try to translate this passage into some other language grab whatever you can do the best you can and give it the best shot you can because it's about all you can do it's not still going to it's only going to be quite close there's a song that describes Jesus Um, And and it comes from a significant uh, painful part of my life. But I wanted you to hear it because it's one of the ways that I think we can see him. He's more wonderful than my my mind can conceive. He's more wonderful than my heart can believe. He goes beyond my highest hopes and fondest dreams he's everything that my soul ever longed for everything he promised and so much more more than amazing more than marvelous more than miraculous could ever be he's more than wonderful that's what Jesus is to me see that's the point that Paul was trying to make that's what he wanted those Ephesian Christians to see. This was the direction that he wanted them to head. Some of them even took note of what he was trying to say. One of the things that I've always wished was that I wished that I could write things like Paul. I wished I had the kind of impact that Paul had. In fact, I used to want to be like Paul, but now I want to be like Joe. like Joe. I want to be like Joe. Second thing that's being said in this passage here is that the fullness of Christ is the standard for the body. It's the standard for the church. It's the standard for the believers. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ isn't the exception, it's the rule. It's expected but it's accessible to everyone who calls him Lord. Everyone. The kind of Christian maturity that Paul is promoting here is different than just believing in Christ. It's different than belonging to Christ. He is urging them and he is urging us to be like Christ. To be like the one... (laughs) the word who became flesh and made his dwelling among us we've seen his glory the glory as the one and only of the begotten of the father full of grace and truth we are called to be the the one who is the image of the firstborn excuse me the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation by him all things were created things in heaven and earth Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, including me and you. See, the point that Paul is trying to make to these Ephesian Christians here is not just about believing in Christ, even though that's where we get in. All in favor say aye. It is about getting in, but it's not just about getting in. And it's more than belonging to Christ. Even though that's an indication that we believe in him, it's not enough. What Paul is saying to you and to me is be like Christ. Attain to the whole measure of the fullness of the stature Of the maturity, and whatever other words you can throw in there, of Christ. Having Jesus in our life is not what we're called to having Jesus be our life is. What we become, excuse me, we become what matters most to us. We become like the people we admire most. True? One of the great saints of the church, Thomas the wrote a devotion to Jesus Christ called Of the Imitation of Christ. The purpose of his writing was to spur people along in their relationships with Jesus. Toward the end of the book, he lets the reader just get a bit of a glimpse of the kinds of things that he felt about the Christ that he served. It's it's like reading a love letter. Listen to what he says. With greatest devotion and ardent love, with all affection and fervor of heart, I wish to receive you, O Lord, as many saints and devouts most pleasing to you in their holiness of life and most fervent of devotion have desired you in Holy Communion. Oh my God, everlasting love, my final good, my happiness unending. I long to receive you with as strong a desire and as worthy a reverence as any of the saints ever had or could have felt. And though I'm not worthy to have all of these sentiments of devotion, still I offer you the full affection of my heart as if I alone had all these most pleasing and ardent desires. Yet whatever a God-fearing mind can conceive and desire, I offer its entirety to you. With the greatest of reverence, with inward affection, I wish to keep nothing for myself but to offer to you willingly and most freely all that I am and all that is mine. Hmm. Kempis' words begin to capture the devotion and the admiration that Jesus is due, don't they? He's worthy of that kind of huh, that kind of awe oh, awe. Oh. And Kempis' life reflected the life that you'd expect of one who admired Jesus Christ so deeply and who could express it so beautifully. Remember, remember, we tend to become like the people that we admire most. And while I'd like to be like Thomas of Kempis, I I really want to be like Joe. So let me tell you about Joe. First read about him in a book by Michael Frost. It's titled Exiles Living Missionally in a Post-Christian Culture. It's a book that has been challenging me and my notions of ministry. It's a book that's been pushing me, pushing me to consider who I am and, and what it is that I truly desire. It's been asking me, okay, so who do you want to be like? and what do you want to do about it? And how's that gonna impact your ministry? And in the middle of this soul-searching book comes this story. It was new to me, maybe you've heard it. Tony Campolo tells the story of a reformed drunk whose name was Joe, marvelously converted at a bowery mission. Joe had been an incorrigible wino, And no one who met him ever expected him to be anything other than a homeless drunk. So, the transformation that occurred in Joe's life after his conversion stunned everyone who knew him. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Joe became the most caring person that anyone ever associated with the mission had ever known. He spent his days and his nights at the mission serving both the homeless and the drunk as well as the Christian workers who served there. He considered no job beneath his dignity, whether it was cleaning up vomit or scrubbing the toilets after careless men left the bathroom filthy. Joe did what was asked with a soft smile on his face and with gratitude for the chance to help. He could be counted on to feed feeble men who wandered in off the street and to undress and tuck into, men bent, tuck into bed men who were too inebriated to take care of themselves. So one Sunday, in the mission, the evangelist was delivering his evening message to the usual crowd of sullen men and silent guys who were waiting for the preacher to finish so they could get their meal. And when the evangelist made his regular appeal for people to come forward to accept Christ, one repentant drunkard came, shuffled down the aisle to the altar, and then he knelt to pray, and he cried out to God. He kept shouting at the top of his lungs, Oh God, make me like Job. Make me like Joe. Oh, God, will you just make me like Joe? The director of the mission came over and and knelt beside him, and he said, "Uh, Son, don't you think that you ought to pray that God will help you be like Jesus? And the man looked up at him with quizzical eyes and said, Is he like Joe? See, I want to be like Joe because Joe's like Jesus. Let's pray a minute. We have seen, Father, people in our lives who have given us a glimpse of what Jesus is like. We pray in new ways that we could attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ we pray that when people see us and think of us and call our names they are seeing you If it's all right, Father, we'd like to be like Joe because he's like Jesus. Go on his piece. We're dismissed. Mm